ckc.org. All right, um, last time we left off, we're in uh, chapter 15, and again, we're viewing the contrast between the wise and the foolish. We looked at the first three points. We left off with verse 20, uh, looking at family relationships. A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish man despiseth his mother. And so that's where we finished up last time, if you're, if you're going off of the notes online. And then we'll pick it up now in verse number 21, point number four. Verse 21 describes their path in life. Path is your first blank tonight. Folly is joy to him that is destitute of wisdom. But a man of understanding walketh uprightly. And so let's take the B part of that verse first. Uh, we'll look at the second half. Wise people, right? Now, the one that's destitute of wisdom, folly is joy to him. It's, it's, it's foolishness is fun. But the man of understanding, right? A man of understanding walketh uprightly. So wise people, people of understanding, uh, live out, they walk out what is right. Well, what's right? Well, God's right, and God's made sure we know what's right because he's given us his word, okay? So, uh, wise people live out what is right. They know how to walk in a right way, and so one of the ways that that would be manifest in the church age today would be Galatians 5.16. Those, the command is to walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Sometimes the flesh does not want, many times the flesh does not want what is wise right before the Lord. It's kinda got its own micro mini spirit of antichrist. It wants what it wants, how it wants it, the way that it wants it. Not God's will be done, it wants its own fulfillment. Well how do we, how do, we do that? The solution is walking in the spirit and if you've been here any length of time, you know the key to walking in the spirit is walking in the, in the word. Uh, you know the, the linchpin cross-references for that when you compare Ephesians 5, 17 through 20 with Colossians 3, 16 through 17, you find out that being full of the Spirit of God results in the Word of God coming out of your life and that's exactly what you see in Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Why? So that it will come richly out of your life. That's that principle. What's in you is what comes out of you. And so if the, you know, if, if the word, if we're not speaking, singing to ourselves in psalms and spiritual songs, singing, making melodies to the Lord, if that's not what's coming out of our life, uh, if what's coming out of our life is a walk in the flesh, it means we're bankrupt concerning the word of God. So we gotta walk in the word. We need to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. And that's how you get understanding to walk right. That's how you are able to walk in the spirit. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to inform what you think, how you walk, how you live. That's, that, that, that's the key, and that's why, you know, we don't, we don't, you know, we typically will reference Ephesians 5, 17 through 20, but just pop up a couple verses in verse 15. Here's the command again. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, right? You wanna walk uprightly. This is why we need to walk in the spirit. Now, again, that principle is whatever's in you is what will come out of you. Check out James 3.13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? You got the wisdom of God. You actually know 
how to walk uprightly? Well, if that's in you, make sure it's coming out of you. So James 3.13, you're a wise man and do with knowledge? Okay, let him show out of a good conversation. That word conversation is the old English word for your life, your lifestyle, how you live. Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Uh, this is why it's so, you know, um, as you grow in Christ, as you start getting full of the word of God, it'll show up in how you live and it'll show up in how you communicate uh, what you say and uh, people will start checking you on that and they'll start asking you things like, you know, uh, you're all about the Bible, you're all about God, uh, you're a Jesus freak or whatever. Um, we're talking about this contemporary social issue and, and uh, here's what we're saying and thinking about it. Uh, what do you think? And, and they'll wanna know what you think. And uh, man, like one of the richest, one of the greatest things that you can do is come to the place where you can say, man, it really doesn't matter what I think. The Bible says, God's words, God says, and then you just book chapter verse and that will carry so much weight when they see the truth, the reality of it in your life. Uh, that will open doors of utterance for you. So what's in us needs to come out of us. Okay, so now with that background, let's look at the A part, the first part of this verse. Folly is joy to him that is destitute of wisdom. Uh, So let me phrase it this way, stupid people, people destitute of wisdom, think that wasting their life, that's the folly. Uh, They think that's good, They, they, they derive joy from that. Living trash, living waste, living foolishly. Uh, And then we've got examples of this in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 26, verse 19. The man that deceiveth his neighbor and saith, am I not in sport? I'm just messing with you. You you know, yeah, you got gravely hurt, right? I did damage to you, but I was just messing around. Uh, That's a person who's destitute of wisdom. They think that folly is joy. Proverbs 14, nine, we've already seen this. Fools make a mock at sin. They mock at it, it's a light thing. Proverbs 10, 23, it is as sport to a fool to do mischief. It's like, they, it's like, uh, it's like their favorite game, executing folly, making mischief. So, you know, the, probably the easiest, simplest, you know, fast pitch right over the plate example would be the, you know, the one that we all know about stereotypically, people who live foolish, they're destitute of wisdom. Uh, What folly is joy? Well, it's the party life, living the party life. Uh, It's joy, and what comes with that? You know, folly is joy to them that is destitute of wisdom. Why is it phrased that way? Oh yeah, because the party of life ruins your life. There's no wisdom in pursuing the party life. What's what's there? Oh yeah, addiction, disease, brokenness. Frankly, in many cases, absolute danger. Uh, it's, It's foolish to pursue it. So what results? Destitution, disease, depression, just total derailment in life. Well, that's not how it started. Folly is joy to him that is destitute of wisdom. Uh, So get this down in your notes. Proverbs 6.32 says, Whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. Well, he thought it was joy in the moment, right? He that doeth it 
and you know all the cross-references, you know. You can try to make it right with the guy that you offended, but he's coming for you, and what's worse is what it does to your soul, right? He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. Uh, that it, it, it seemed like joy in the moment. It seemed like the smart thing to do. Well, it's because there was no wisdom. There was no, there was no humility that said, I don't want to go through life doing what I think will be a good time in the flesh. Instead, I want to submit myself to the, to the precepts of God's word, and I, I, I just got to decide with God that what he says is best for me. So get this down. Stupid decisions sound great when a person doesn't have wisdom. I mean, I'm just trying to do this straightforward, right? Stupid decisions sound great if you're full. So here's, here's the great biblical example, Rehoboam, uh, Kings, uh, uh, 1 Kings chapter 12, Solomon's son takes the throne and he wants to do it right, but just mark it down, beware. Rehoboam, you know the story, he listened to the ignorant, foolish, young, pride-filled men they don't know what they're talking about. They're full of young bravado, and so the people come and said, you know, your dad, uh, the tax load, oh, it was a big burden, it was really rough. We're wanting to know if you could help a brother out and kind of ease up. Uh, we're, the kingdom is secure, uh, there's plenty of money in the coffers, everything's great, like, could we get a break? And so Rehoboam's like, uh, come back, let me, let me consult with the experts. And so the young men, they're full of them and vigor and they're full of youthful pride and, and so their counsel to him is, you tell him your pinky's thicker than your father's thighs and you know, his father's loins and, and uh, you know, he chastised you, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick scorpions on you. Okay. So they're like, man, don't take that from the people, really put them in their place. So he listens to the young people rather than the older and the wiser counselors who knew the people, they knew the state of the flock and they knew what would happen as a result of rash decisions on the part of the king. And uh, as a result, man, the kingdom is in disarray. It splits the kingdom. See, you need to get this. You could waste your life, you could ruin your life doing what you think is good and productive. It sounds good to me, it makes sense to me, I think it's right, so it must be right. Uh, I hope somebody's listening. Just because you see it doesn't make it so. Hello, somebody. Well, I, this may, it makes sense to me. I see it. It's absolutely, in terms of what's logical and right, I can quantify it. I can describe it. This makes sense to me. Well, make sure that you make sense before you're saying what makes sense to you is the path that you should take or the decision that you should make. You could waste your life doing what you think is good and productive and you could be wrong and you could be making a mess of your life and that's exactly what happened to Rehoboam. So he's listening to all of the wrong people and, 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 and the wrong advice sounded right to him, it made sense to him and he's gonna secure his position as king over Israel and he just ended up ruining the whole thing. See, you can't, you, there is no way you can know everything that you need to know in life. None of us can. We can't know everything that we need to know in life. We're finite. Our brains have limited capacity. We can only be in so many places so much of the time. There's only so many perspectives that we can see. So we have to get input from wise and proven people. Proverbs 11:14 says, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And that brings us to our next point, verse 22. 
The wise value counsel, the foolish do not. Counsel is your next blank. Verse 22, without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Okay, we've already seen this in chapter 13, or at least we've seen the principle. Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. With the well-advised is wisdom. In the multitude of counselors, people are established. Uh, Their purposes are established. Proverbs 19, verse 21. There are many devices in a man's heart. Here it is. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord shall stand. There's many schemes, many desires, many wants, many plans in the heart of a man, but what you want to do is get in the middle of God's will for your life. The counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. Proverbs 24, verse 6. For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. Man, that's so good. By, I mean, do we want to be victorious in life? Do we want to have victory, spiritual victory in life? Well, then we can't do what we think is right. We can't go away that's right in our own eyes. We can't do what necessarily seems right to us. No, we need to get wise counsel to enter into our warfare. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Without counsel, there's no clarity. You're just, I mean, or the wrong counsel. You get the wrong counsel, it's disaster. You know, the blind leading the blind never, I mean, that's, that's not good. Uh, you, need, uh, you need to get counsel from proven counselors, from people, right, from sources, rather, from sources that have the right insight, proven insight. See, with much, cal- with much counsel, your purposes are established. So it's like churches that, I mean, they get all the wrong counsel from all the wrong places and and then somehow they end up thinking that it's the job of the church to establish heaven on earth. We're gonna make the world a better place and we're gonna ensure that everything is perfect for everyone and they'll fall into things. And I'm not against good works, I'm not against benevolence, I'm not against, I mean the, 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 the fact of, I mean historically, the fact of God's people having God's heart, it has improved the quality of life for this planet. Just study your history. Um, everywhere the gospel's gone, women have been liberated. Everywhere the gospel has its way, people find freedom. Uh, there is liberty for humanity. Just think about, uh, you know, go back a, a couple centuries and just the, the movement in healthcare, all of that was sourced in, in believing people. Uh, but, 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 you know, that's the byproduct of the right relationship with the Lord. But now today, you know, churches get the wrong counsel from the wrong sources and they think it's the church's job to make sure that earth is heaven and that everything's perfect for everyone and they end up forgetting about the gospel of Jesus Christ and they're focused on a social gospel. And in the name of Jesus, pursuing equity for everyone. Well, okay, there's nothing wrong with wanting equity for everyone, but can I just tell you something? Nothing, nothing is resolved until the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is sitting on the throne. Uh, Man, making a lost and fallen world into heaven, that is gonna be a never-ending battle, okay? It's like this. a lot of churches, they will, uh, I mean, I, I, hope this will, I hope this will make sense. I'm not, I mean, I'm, I, I, I wish, 
abortion was completely abolished tomorrow. It's never a baby's fault, the decisions or the mistakes that a parent makes, right? Or, or the way a parent might be taken advantage of or, or victimized. That's still not that baby's fault, okay? If I had it my way, there'd be no abortion, okay? That's, uh, that, that's where I'm at. You, I have never picketed an abortion clinic. Not once in my life, I've never done it. Why? Because there's no solution there. What would be better is if I could win the heart of that young woman to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, then that changes everything. If I can make a biblicist out of someone, that's gonna change their entire worldview. It's gonna, ch- it's gonna change their entire perspective on life. We've got so many Christians trying to force change on this planet when what's needed is a change in the inner life, in the inner man. Uh, They need to meet Jesus. They need to know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That changes everything. And then when did Jesus ever tell us that we're gonna be prosperous, right? That we're gonna be rich and increased with goods and that we're gonna have everything that we want in this earth. I mean, I think what the King told us, the world hates me, it's gonna hate you. I think what the King told us was, uh, just like I have suffered, you're gonna have to take up your cross if you're gonna follow me. I think that's what I heard the Lord Jesus say. This world is not supposed to be a bed of roses or a cakewalk. Uh, it's not supposed to be easy peasy uh, for the follower of Jesus Christ. So why am I gonna try? I mean, this world is not my home. I'm an ambassador of Christ. So, so why not win people out of the kingdom of darkness and see them translated into the kingdom of light? And then their want to, their perspective changes. Uh, all of a sudden they want things that are biblical, whatsoever things are true, lovely, good report, right? Uh, the, the, like their, their criterion is morphed uh, because they start learning to think with the mind of Christ uh, because they belong to him. So you got these churches that are busy with all of these initiatives, uh, you know, um, woke churches, protesting churches, they're, they've got all these social agendas and, uh, and, and, you know, and they're following counselors and they could be wrong because it's our job to go after everyone with the goal of making sure that they can have a growing relationship with their creator. Proverbs 12, 11 says, he that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread. Huh. Okay. The seed is the, you remember the, the parable of the fields, right? And the sower and the seed and the seed is what? It is the word of God. And, and so you've got a sower and seed and a field and, and he's working that field and, and different parts of the field produce different levels of fruit. But, but at the end of the day, I mean, if we'll work, right, we'll be satisfied. Be, be a workman in the word and you'll be satisfied with bread. Be a workman in the field and you'll be satisfied with bread. But he that followeth vain persons See, they that follow in vain counsel versus the 66 counselors God gave us uh, is void of understanding. Man, I don't want to waste my life, do you? I don't want to be a part of some Christian country club where we just assemble at regular intervals and then check that off on our spirit. I mean, we're rounded out spiritually. We attended our services and we held, we held those services and boy, those were a good time. I wanna be a part of a church and a people that God's using to make a difference for eternity. 
I want to be a part of something like that. I don't want to waste my life playing at Christianity or playing church. That means we got to be in this, we got to think with the mind of Christ. And we got to do what the king told us to do. You say, well, man, the world's in a whole lot of upheaval and turmoil. Yeah, let's double down on doing what our king told us to do. That's where all the answers are at. That's where all the solutions are. Let's not be void of understanding. Let's keep our gospel focus. Let's keep our focus on, on, on the direction, the mission, vision, and direction that our counselors have given us. Amen? Everything that's wrong with this planet, I'm telling you, the solution, we're, just look around this room. Uh, red, brown, yellow, black, and white, we're all precious in his sight. Brothers and sisters, in the person of Jesus Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, there's not male or female in the person of Christ. There's certainly not red, brown, yellow, black, or white. We're brothers and sisters. Christ is our king. Boom. We're family. We're a company. We're workmen together. We have a fellowship of ministry and mission in this place. Let's, let's invite Kansas City into that. Amen? That was so weak. Verse, I'm, I'm praying for you. Okay, verse 23. Uh, man, we need to say the right thing at the right time. You say, I, I, didn't, I didn't think you said the right thing for the last five minutes. Okay, get in your Bible and, uh, and, and you show me where it's wrong. Saying the right thing at the right time. A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. Proverbs 25, 11 says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. Okay, so this is all about knowing what to say and when to say it. For example, Joseph in Genesis 41, uh, he's got an answer when Pharaoh is troubled over a dream, right? Joe has a word for the, from the Lord, uh, the right words at the right time. Now, Joe wanted to get an audience. He wanted Pharaoh's ear earlier, didn't he? Back in jail with the, the butler and the baker, he asked for Pharaoh's ear. He had a message for Pharaoh. Uh, he, wanted, he wanted them to remember him and see if Pharaoh could cut him loose. It just wasn't the right time. And so it had to be Genesis 41. Pharaoh has the dream. Now it's time. It's the same thing with the Apostle Paul. He's another great example of this. He's always, he's always ready with the right word in the right time. Acts 24. Uh, here's his opportunity. The governor had beckoned him to speak. He was ready. He says, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself. Again with Agrippa in chapter 26, thou art, per thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Paul was ready to go. He was loaded for bear. He says, I think myself, he answered for himself, verse one. He said, verse two, I think myself happy King Agrippa because I shall answer for myself this day before thee touching all things whereof I'm accused of the Jews. Uh, he's ready with the right word in the right time. And that's what he was praying for in Ephesians chapter six. Praying always with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And talk about apples of gold and pictures of silver. Look at how he asks God's people to pray for him in verse 19. He says, pray for me, right, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Pray for me so that I can with boldness say the right things, right? The right way. I wanna be able to preach the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. I wanna make known the mystery of the gospel. 
Uh, this is why, verse 20, this is why God has me here. I'll give you another example, okay? Um, man, a word spoken in, in due season, how good it is. That ought to be true of you and me. Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Brothers and sisters, man, if what we're saying isn't building up the body, uh, then we're talking wrong. <laughs> this communication, it's not edification. Then it's, then, it's, then it's not helping. We wanna minister grace unto the hearers. And so we ought to pray for that. We ought to pray for one another. We ought to pray from this pulpit to the kids uh, in the toddler room, the teachers in the toddler room, discipleship relationships, Bible studies, our Sunday fellowships. We ought to pray that all the communication is edifying, that it ministers grace unto the, unto the hearers. You say, well, sometimes we have to say hard things. Yeah, let it, let it be edifying and minister grace to the hearers. Uh, you say, man, I, 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 all I do around here is speak the truth in love and, and everybody's mad at me about it. Well, probably because you're speaking the truth like a jerk in love. And um, you need to learn how to edify with, with God's truth and, and minister grace to the hearers, right? Okay, so let's break up in our groups and pray. If something in these verses, uh, we were in the last three verses, if something in those verses got you in the feels, and you're feeling burdened, grab your neighbor and let's lift that up to the Lord and then we'll be dismissed. Sound good? Okay. Um, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's lift this up, close out in prayer. I love you guys. You're dismissed as soon as you're done praying.